1: guest this week uh is a name you're all very familiar with uh but more so with his uh his impressive resume of bands uh cross my heart liars academy dead red sea this guy has uh this guy has been a a staple in uh in all of our our record collections in emo and post hardcore and uh, i'm really glad that uh, he re- he surfaced on Instagram so I could run him down and get him on here to talk to us. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ryan Shelkett to Why Did We Ever Meet. Ryan, how are you? I'm good. Nice to meet you, Wes. Yes, good to have you on, man. Um, first things first, I didn't even mention it to you uh, until I saw that you had a, an Orioles hat on, but I'm a like lifelong Orioles fan. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Where, uh, where are you? Did you grow up in Maryland? No. See, I'm from, I'm from Ohio. I'm from the Toledo area. Okay. But my aunt and uncle lived in DC. So we would go to DC and the Orioles, that was, that was the team and it was cheap tickets. So, you know, I got to see Cal Ripken and Eddie Murray and those guys play. And, and then a guy from this area, Chris Hoyles ended up playing for the Orioles. So there was kind of the local connection. so awesome. became a, yeah, lifelong fans. So <laughs> well, well, you know, you, you got to support when, you, when you're in Baltimore, <laughs> you, you have to support. So that's right. So um, what what's been going on? Uh, how's life? What, I mean we we all know you as this uh, the, this guy from these incredible bands that we all loved. Uh, but you, you know, cross my like I said in the intro, cross my heart, Popped up on Instagram, and I became aware of it because uh, Matt Traxler from Branson and Steadfast Records had posted about it, and I was like, "Oh shit, these guys are these guys are back around." So, what what happened? How how did this all come to be? You're, you've popped back up.
0: Well, you know, I've done a really good job at being completely invisible, and you know, <laughs> deliberately just disappearing for the most part over the past several years. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think that um, I talked to some of the the guys in the band and, uh, you know, there, there's some stuff happening that will be, you know, some announcements soon, just just some cool stuff that's, that's kind of happening that um, we didn't expect and we're pretty excited about. So we really decided to just, you know, all right, I guess we got to step back out a little bit and um, you know,
1: make sure that people still remember us. Yeah, for sure. And I I guess to kind of start with that. Um, so for me and I know a lot of a lot of other fans and people that listen to the interviews that we have on the podcast, uh cross my heart is the tipping point. Uh it's kind of the jumping off point for us in terms of of your bands. Uh you guys it was at that time when if a label put something out, you bought it. If you liked mm-hmm. that label, you bought it and uh with deep elm deep elm you're you guys are a part of that massive boom with that label and I remember uh I believe you guys were on a maybe one of the emo Diaries comps, and i th- yeah, I think that's where for me, I heard you and went, okay, yeah, this is right in my right in my mm-hmm. wheelhouse so how does that all start for you guys? Where what is the beginning of Cross My Heart uh, and leading up to Deep Elm? Well, you know, Cross
0: My Heart came out of the ashes of my previous band that I I had uh worked with for about 5 years mm-hmm. and that band was called Blank. Okay. And yeah. That band um you know, we started in 1992 and put out a bunch of, of material, a bunch of, you know, records and CDs and all that stuff
1: Mm
0: -hmm. did a bunch of touring, um, but nothing, the band never really kind of broke through. And, um, you know, after five years, we, we, uh, the last record we did um, we ended on a high, very high note and decided to call it, call it a day. And then, As soon as, as soon as we ended, uh, everybody cared. I, I, I mean, as soon as that we were, you know, out the door, the band was over. Um, I was, you know, starting to talk to Deep Belm. I met, um, Steve from Democ records and everyone was decided, wow, this band blank is amazing. So that, (laughs) um, so, uh, when that happened, um, you know, I, I just, well, well, yeah, you know, Hey, that band's not together, but I have a a new band and um, I, you know, I, 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 I I I told this story in another recent uh, interview, but I really did kind of, you know, stall and pull, pulled a little, you know, fast one, you know, um, but what I did was, you know, tried to find a new band quickly. Uh, I was very inspired and uh, it all came together so fast, it really did. And it, I mean, the band—I I believe the band had, you know, label support before the band was even a band.
1: Okay, okay. Um, so, like, and it's funny that you mentioned that about Blank too. And I'm sorry I left them off the list. Uh, but with with Blank, it's it was uh, it's very much like a similar situation to like I, I would compare it to a band like Lifetime. Mm-hmm. Where uh it feels like when we all discovered this how great lifetime was, they were already gone, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and, and that's but for you at least you were able to transition into to cross my heart, so I guess like what what is uh does it start for you with like you're a kid that discovers punk rock records, did you have an older sibling, a cousin what how does that sort of kick off for you
0: well, I think um you know, the time that I grew up, um, I I think I have a very similar story to many of the people, um, that ended up doing, you know, uh, this type of music, um, you know, and, and in the, you know, mid late eighties, it was heavy metal. And, you know, that's what, um, was the, the the big thing. And, um, you know, Iron Maiden and Metallica and all that good stuff. Um, and then it, you know, and then there was the, there were these crossover bands. So slowly you kind of went over into the punk hardcore side where, yeah. um, but for me, uh, I was always very into very, very melodic music, even though I, 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 you know, listen to all kinds of stuff. What yeah. really struck a chord with me was, um, were the bands that had a very melodic sensibility and, you know, um, I think all that kind of changed when I was about 15 and, you know, kind of got into more punk rock. Okay. What they called back then college rock. Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Uh, who
1: were, who were the bands that were the. Some of my, some of my favorites of that time
0: when I, when I kind of made that transition, I mean, I was big into REM. I was big into soul asylum. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Soul Asylum introduced me to the replacements. Uh, I was always big in the hoosker do. Yeah. So that kind of stuff really struck a chord. Um, but I mean, you know, we were my buddies, I mean, we all, you know, were skaters and we we just listened to all kinds of stuff from right. the, from the descendants to, you know, Nirvana before Nevermind. You know, I mean right. we were we were listening to a lot of cool stuff and it was a it was a really neat time because um a lot of that music was it didn't really have that kind of um Pepsi brand, you know, genre sure. name yet. Sure. None of it really did. There, you know, it was pre-grunge, pre pre emo as a, you know, um a marketing. Yes you know, thing. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was just it was just cool underground music. And right. and maybe you liked your music heavy or you liked it, you know, um fast, punk rock fast, or you know, um with with political lyrics or goofy or industrial or whatever, but it was all all those kids hung out together because it was um, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of people No. to, and, to find and- like that, you know.
1: Yeah. And you, you did mention too, it's funny that that name keeps coming up, uh, REM that that's the band that seems to be a connect the connective tissue for, for so many bands that came from your era. Uh, you know, yeah. I've talked to guys from, you know, like air type 11 and Seisha and game face and, and Garrison and all these bands. And they've all kind of said the same thing. It's always REM yeah. and Jane's addiction are, are big pieces of that puzzle. Uh, and it, it, it you meant you also mentioned Husker du, and I feel like that's a name in this that gets left off a lot because you can absolutely trace back these emo and post hardcore roots straight oh, yeah. back to Husker du.
0: Husker du. was which, you know, I, I felt that you know everybody did talk about them, but I, I yeah. don't know. I, I feel like you know Bob Mold is still very active and writing amazing. Mm-hmm. Putting out, I mean, like an oh, amazing oh, new right record a year. I love it. And uh, that, you know, and I'm glad that that's getting, you know, attention and people are, are engaged with that. But um, I don't feel like I hear that the, the Husker Du thrown around that much, like you said. And, right. um, but, you know, there are some songs that, I mean, are probably some of the most emotional hardcore songs i've ever heard you, absolutely you know, yeah charter trips and new day rising i mean you mm-hmm. can't you can't compete with that no so um yeah they were they were a really um you know big band uh you know but you know we were into you know you know, into Jawbreaker and, and Sam I Am and yeah. East Bay stuff. A lot of, you know, D.C. was a huge influence being from, you know, the suburbs of Baltimore. I was right kind of in between Baltimore mm-hmm. and D.C., went to D.C. To, to see a lot of shows. Sure. Um, you know, saw Fugazi tons of times, Jawbox, a lot of those really great bands. Yeah. Um, so all of that was kind of, you know, part of the the ingredients, um, for the influence of, of, you know, what we were listening to and what we ultimately yeah. decided to kind of, you know, what kind of music we wanted to play
1: ourselves. Right. And when, uh, and, you know, and, and kind of taking us back into cross my heart, there's something, something that stuck out with you guys in comparison to some of your label mates. I think, there are a couple of bands that really, for me personally, what strikes a chord for me is I just tend, I tend to fall right into that guitar heavy post-hardcore stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was a big fan of, I'm, I'm obviously still a big fan of bands like Handsome and Quicksand Texas is the reason that sort of at far was another good example mm-hmm. of that cross my heart and star market were two bands that when that deep elm boom was happening your band was your band right away stuck out because that's just the side one track one on that, that first record though, those loud quiet dynamics were just right in my sweet spot. And you, you, it just like, you had the perfect guitar tone and it, everything was like firing on all cylinders for, for that.
0: Well, that, that's awesome. Um You know, I think the, the 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 dynamics we we definitely did want to to test our limits with with playing delicate music. Yeah. You know, we we really wanted to have you know the the music and the lyrics and the way it was delivered. You know, the, it was while it all happened very fast, I think like it, it was done with an intention. I mean, it, it didn't, you know, I see the way that it came out. I I look back 20 some years after, and, Mm. you know, I try to remember when, when we wrote certain things and how, how it was uh, approached, but you know, it's, um, it feels like, nothing really felt forced. Everything with that band, it just feels so natural and what happened was supposed to happen. Right. Right. And, uh, and, and I think that's, and honestly, I I was surprised um, because I gave some of the songs a listen recently and I was surprised how much I liked it. I thought, I I thought I hated everything I'd ever done. (laughs) I pretty much just, just walked away from it and, and, and thought, you know, that was fun, but uh, you know everything I did was was not very good. But you know, going back with a with a new perspective and you know, uh, new ears, um, yeah, you know, it it it. I was like, wow, you know, th- this actually sounds pretty good, and um and and I think these songs hold up, and they they still have the right,
1: you know, um, weight to them. Sure. And it, I think too, I I think there's that you need that time to get past that very intense part in your life Mm -hmm. and then kind of set forth on the next part of, of life's journey before you can go back and really appreciate the things you've made so many years ago, because you're hearing them with such experienced ears. Now it has to be, I mean, it has to feel kind of like a good memory to, think on it now rather than five years after the fact some of those wounds might still be there and
0: yeah no a- absolutely and you know wh- what I was for the most part what impressed me the most was how mature um the approach to the songwriting was even even then at a young age sure, and, sure. and I can't say that about everything I've done but I think I think for the most part you know most of that's that cross my heart stuff uh still sounds pretty good to me so
1: yeah i absolutely i think i think you can hear it in i think it's that style that you guys were a part of is something that you can still find when you you see these bands that are these new bands popping up that tap into the post hardcore sound and that emo sound that you know we we called emo i guess Mm -hmm. It, it i feel like it's still there that those those old dynamics are still around and they're still intricate parts of the music. They're, they're vital to it. That loud quiet dynamic never goes away. It, there's emotional range that comes with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you mentioned uh star market, I, you yeah. know, I I've decided that, um, even though I, I I've never met any of those star market guys, Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I toured with Plains and Branson and Appleseed yeah. Caps and did a bunch of shows at Camber. And I love all of those guys. But yep. I think my favorite Deep Elm record is Star Market, Four Hours Light. Hands down it's so good. Yes. That record. When when John sent me a copy of that, I mean, I think we listened cross. We might have we might have had multiple promo copies of that because we wore it out so much we just yes. ignored it and um you know but originally that band was a little more aggressive had yeah. that guitar attack that you were talking about which was very very good but i think they kind of hit a, a high point with four hours light with some experimentation and and uh, some trying some different you know approaches to the instrumentation and all that it was a really really great record
1: yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I completely agree with you. I remember um, at the time, like the, I was, I played in bands and I was the band I was in at the time. We were all huge fans of the, everything that was coming out of Deep Elm. And I remember four hours light coming out and that was like, Oh God, this is because you can yeah. it's that, a record that you hear it. And you're like, Holy shit. These guys are, have really turned a page in terms of their songwriting.
0: Totally. And it's, it's, it's kind of an undeniable record. I mean, the, the hooks are, are there. It's yep. so earnest. It's, yeah. um, it's got a lot of cool, you know, kind of groove to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty well-rounded record, but you know, the, the funny thing is, you know, and now that you bring it up, just looking back at, at Deep Elm as a label and really yeah. kind of digging in, I mean, they put out some really great records. Oh that my God. I don't think I don't think that they really get the credit, um, for, for discovering some of these bands that, you know, just seem to pop up out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, a lot of those Branson records are great. The early Appleseed cast stuff, um, planes were such a monster. Oh. Of a band. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, um, and, and camber, I think camber was kind of the band that, that kind of kicked it off because, uh, that's kind of how I met John at Deep Elm was through Camber. We played mm-hmm. blank, my old band blank played with Camber okay. and uh, at a Baltimore show. And, and we got talking and I think Barry from Camber had, had mentioned to John, like, you got to check out this band blank They're all, right up your alley. And yeah. that kind of got us talking. So um, yeah, I mean, and there's a, there's just a lot of stuff that feels like uh myself included cross mm-hmm. my heart included that feels yeah. like it is just kind of gone um you know not a lot of people talk about it and and that's kind of another reason why I'm kind of coming back and and trying to just like you know maybe I mentioned it, just kind of get the word out and yeah uh,
1: yeah you know yeah i I think and I think you're right and you've you've hit on something too that like we may as well go down this road. We, we often think of that time. We think of the bands that, you know, th- that wave right before you guys. So the first names that always come up are Texas is the reason. Quicksand, Sam I Am, Game Face, rightfully so. But Deep Elm, I think with the exception of a few bands and a few records, I feel like there's not as much conversation about how much impact all of your bands had at that point in time in underground music, Deep Elm was can't miss at that mm-hmm. point in time. Like mm-hmm. and you named a bunch of them. You guys, it was Cross My Heart, Appleseed Cast, Branson, Plains Mistaken for Stars, Camber, Star Market. All of these great bands were just consistently churning out like I, Deep Elm just fired on all cylinders there for a pretty good amount of time.
0: Yeah, for, for sure. And, and, you know, I think a lot of it was that, um, they're they're embracing um of the word emo i think kind of stalled a lot of that momentum um i mean there was they did have a big impact but i think there were some you know people that just were turned off by their willingness to you know hey here's a you know Pepsi, emo, we're just going to, yeah, we're just going to brand this thing. And, you know, however you feel about that from, from, from a legitimate marketing, uh, perspective, it it was, it was awesome. It worked. It it really worked. (laughs) Um, but you know, it's I think some of those bands are it's easy to dismiss because of that association. And I think, you know, and and, and these conversations keep coming up about just the the the, the word mm-hmm. for that genre of music. And the I guess it's a very controversial still uh discussion, yeah. Yeah. unfortunately, because it really is unfortunate, because I mean a lot of those bands from that time period. Whether, whether you want to call them emo or post-hardcore or mm-hmm. punk rock or pop punk or whatever you want to call them, right. um, there's, there's great bands there. So, you know, and, and quite honestly, those bands that were associated with that term, with that genre term at the time, the name kind of went a completely different direction. A whole nother set of bands took took that genre um in, in a completely more mainstream and uh you know fashion type of centric way. Yes. Um yeah. so to pigeonhole any one band as as emo now, um, you know, I it's it feels so broad. It it really feels broad. Yeah. I mean you know, maybe, maybe it's more of a fashion statement than, you know, than, than what it used to mean, which was more of about the music. Cause the, 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 the two thousands era emo, as I, as I see it just sounded like pop punk to me. So yeah. um, Yeah.
1: And I was checked out of it. I I'm sure you were probably too, mm -hmm. to a large degree where I had, I, it wasn't, it wasn't something that I was necessarily into. So I, you know, I had, kind of moved on from that because like that and the word too i think i feel like our generation is kind of like reconciled with the word in a way yeah. um where it's not where it doesn't feel as dirty um but I think there was a period of time where we all treated it like uh, so we were, ca- yeah. we were calling it post hardcore we're calling yeah. it post punk power pop whatever <laughs> totally it, I mean it's emotional it's okay to say the word emo <laughs> Yeah
0: yeah I mean it it is funny I mean I I I never really had a uh, I never really had a problem with the word you know no. there there were times where did it get annoying did did people make a joke out of it did it did it feel like my band wasn't accepted um, with some of my other peers or, or other friends in my city and, you know, uh, the emo band from Baltimore? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it sure, it kind of stung a little bit, but I think you're right. I think after this much time, a lot of people, probably like myself, that were in a lot of these bands, um, you know what? I'm going to embrace it. This is what I yeah. did. I wrote these songs. Um, I, I don't, you know, for a while I tried to distance myself, not just from cross my heart, but just that I played music. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I probably have a, a, a larger issue to discuss, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, I, I do think some people are coming back and, and they're, they're, they're coming to terms with, uh, you know what, this is so stupid. Like we were in a, we were in a band. Yes. you know. I mean, if, you, if it was an Evo band, okay, who cares? Yeah, we, we made cool songs, and um yes. yeah, and I I do believe that you know, with anything, uh, everything kind of comes back around, and you know, I, I would love to see you know more appreciation for this era of music, mm-hmm. kind of you know come come out and, um, you know, but it, but that's only going to happen if, if more and more people, you know, sit down and want to talk about it and and share the stories and, you know, be engaged, um, because it's, it's a shame if, if this kind of, you know, moment in time, just, you know.
1: Right. And, and I think too, like, and it's not to disparage these bands, but when people are talking about this era, it's, it's always Jimmy world the get up kids mineral. And those are, those are pieces of that puzzle. But I look at it from the perspective for me of like, yeah, I like those bands, but those weren't really the bands. I was like, I, you know, that i still, I still love today. Like I can't, I can't put on um, a get up kids record now and really still absorb it. I can put on across my heart record and it's still, clicks in for me uh i can put on uh liars academy record and it still clicks in for me and i think that I, and i'm sure i'm not alone in that where we saw what happened with jimmy world and they did really well <laughs> but mm-hmm. um there were so many bands that were doing putting out incredible records at the exact same time just didn't have the same didn't get the same shine on them that the jimmy world did per se
0: Th- that's true, but you know the one thing you know the bands that you mentioned yeah when when they kind of hit mm-hmm. they were they were big back then, sure, you know, and you know any any genre of music kind of has those flagship bands, you know when people talk about nineties indie rock you know you always hear pavement, you hear you know sebado, you hear kind of the us- the usual type of bands that were kind of the you know the the top of, of that era and genre. But, you know, there are bands that, that after time find, you know, the right audience and and my, my hope, my hope always. And, and I knew that, you know, especially when I got into Liars Academy that, you know, I, I saw the whole industry changed, the whole scene change and I, I knew that you know the new it was almost like where did every where did all the cross my heart people go where, where's yeah. you know who yeah. are the, all these kids who, yeah and and they hated us i mean yeah. it just it just was we were on some of these shows where just people i mean it was it was dreadful
1: so and, let, yeah, let's let's kind of do that then. So wh- where you're in Cross My Heart still, you guys do mm-hmm. two records with Deep Elm. Where is the point? Like you're starting to see, like, okay, this doesn't look like hell. Even two years, three years prior to this, where where's the shift for for it?
0: Well, you know, Cross My Heart was a pretty short lived band, yeah, um, and, and we ended in two thousand. Mm-hmm. And I really don't know why I, I really, okay. you know, I've been talking to the guys like, what, why we had so much going for us. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I could tell you the tours that were being talked about for that band, you know, you, you know, you'd probably be pretty angry with me. I get angry with myself,
1: but. <laughs> are we talking like these are, these are sizable tours that you guys. Yeah. Liking?
0: Yeah. Like really cool stuff. And, um, you know, we just I think though, at that point, being kind of, we knew what crossed my heart was. We knew that like it was such a defined sound for a band, okay. yeah, that we yep. were kind of boxed in. And I knew that, you know, for me and f- to kind of get through what I was going through, I just needed to kind of break through, do something new, do something very, not very, but, but different. And I wanted to, you know, just kind of go a different way. So, you know, a couple of us split off started Liars Academy and um, you know, and and it was in the beginning was great. Um, It it, it transitioned very well. It was was super exciting. Um, Tons of people were really into it. Um, You know, equal vision had super high hopes and Mm -hmm. um, you know, but then it just, it just, just didn't work all of a sudden it just didn't click. And I think right around that time, um, probably around 2002, you know, I I started to see the beginnings of a very, you know, uh, of an industry that had bands that seemed to be way more, um, aspirational and, and making it in the biz than what I had come from, which was a way of life and playing music for the sake of the art of it. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think any of us ever really expected that we were going to, you know, uh, make a living off of it. Uh, I mean, sure. We talked about it. It'd be great. Wouldn't it? I mean, would that be cool? So you didn't have to, go back to your job after tour and you're broke right. all the time. And, right. you know, you're moving from apartment to apartment. It seems like every, under every, you know, every year and, mm-hmm. you know, you just kind of led this very, you know, um, unstable type of life. But um, I think, yeah, right around that time, it definitely started to, you know, just, just be, it just evolved, became mm-hmm. bigger um, you know, everything became about you know the package tours and you know the just to just because the business just just came in yep. and and and, yep. and not also right around that time. I mean, you know, the the iPod happened and yep. digital <laughs> downloads. So you know, the music industry definitely changed. It was going through this kind of you know. Uh, growing pains and you know emo definitely had changed with it and right and what i think wasn't really the best you know way i, I really you know saw it um become even a more watered down version of of what i was doing you know right, so
1: right. and and that you you bring up a good point too because it the when the music industry came in that's where Uh, you see a shift where it goes from these, these, I remember going to shows where there's 75, 80 people, but everyone there knew every fucking word to every song by all three bands Mm -hmm. because it was our world. And these were our bands and this was our soundtrack. And then there's the, and it's not to poo poo success. I will never begrudge anybody that, right. You know, that blows up. But when it, when it's something that becomes, uh, a commodity becomes like the kind of the the hot topic uh, version of it. It does change the it, it it changes how it feels, and you see like so certain people will kind of step back from it and go, I, "That's not what I wanted." And and these guys are th- these are these bands were you know they're they're going on the Warp tour. They're doing this that mm-hmm. and enough you know the Warp tour was great for a lot of bands but it did you feel the shift and the change and it's it's got to be hard like you're saying too you guys are going on the road you're coming back you're broke you're you know either having to go back to your job or find another job and i don't think people weigh that in like the, the none of those amenities were there for what you guys were doing
0: no and, and you know a lot of the a lot of the new crop of bands and and and, and i and i don't want to i don't want this to sound you know like i'm i'm picking no, on you know they were young and 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 they had a lot of uh you know they had their parents support they lived yep. at home uh their parents were probably you know helping them get by we we didn't have any of that we at yeah. that time we were a little bit older we were completely you know on our own and yeah. and it was tough but I, I think though it just you know remember i started in 1992 so i didn't stop yeah you know year 2000 that's 8 years 2002 that's 10 years i didn't stop officially till 2007 wow playing bands and and even after that i still did projects yeah um very differently um more fun and you know mm-hmm. i did a couple records that no one's heard but um, <laughs> You know, but uh, really, you know, I think Liars Academy ended in two thousand and seven, about six years, seven years after we had started, mm-hmm. um, and different, you know, different variations of of the band and diff- some different players. But yeah. you know, I just what happens is that you just you get older and it gets harder.
1: Yeah.
0: And and if you're and if you're still grinding it out like we were, and every tour was, you know there's some good shows and there's some not good shows and it, it, we never kind of hit that next level to where, you know, we could sustain off the band and, and it just, okay. and, and, you know, you get older and life gets in the way and yes, yeah. you know, um and, and you kind of have to make some decisions where, all right, you know, do I, do I want to be 43 and still doing this, making no money, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I need
1: to step back and reevaluate my life. Um, and that's kind of what I had to do. And you mentioned, too, uh, with with Liars Academy. So I remember hearing that record, the, f- the first one that's on uh, the on Equal Vision. That one, to me, I heard and went, oh, God, they're going to blow up. <laughs> Like that, that record and that, that record still holds up today. I went back, I've been going back and listening to your stuff and preparation for, for talking with you, those, that Liars Academy record, I think, I think three or four years later. And I think that thing would have been, it, it just sounds you, you sounded, you guys sounded ahead of what was happening. At that moment, like it sounds really good and clean and the songwriting is really concise and good and all the hooks are there. But then I could still as a fan could still hear like that's Ryan from Cross My Heart. Mm. Like that part of you is still in those songs. I, I mean, was it, I, it was there a real? was there any sort of conscious shift in terms of like how the songwriting there was. Yeah.
0: There, there was. And and you know, as I mentioned, when we got to the end of Cross My Heart and I, I felt a little boxed in. Like I knew yeah. Cross My Heart had a very um defined sound. And um you know <sighs> and it was depressing music. I mean, I was singing, I was singing about things that were such a bummer and, and it was kind of my way to kind of cope with it, get through all that, get over that hump. And then Liars Academy was kind of like, all right, you know, uh, I think I'm ready to, to, to move on and, Mm -hmm. and, and have, have a little bit of fun and, you know, totally approach that record. Um, from that that kind of perspective really yeah. like let's have some fun let's write some rock songs and have some fun yeah and 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 if, and i hope i mean it seems like you you see that um yeah. I, I hope that that comes out i mean i know a lot of people that love that record really do um yeah. you know i i even over the other things that we did it's it's that's the one but um yeah, it was very I mean it was a different turn for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and and when we when we kind of put that band together, uh, you know, again like you know, just luck happened and you know, we we kind of fell into the Equal Vision thing and um it was very exciting at that time and and then but then quickly became unexciting. Um as as it just felt, you know, look, Equal Vision just like any business they've got to make money and there was a lot of pressure to sell a lot sell records and that pressure was was felt very real um and i understand why that pressure was there i mean you know they put up a lot of money to record the record and to market the record and make the record and all that um you know and it, it just i think what honestly happened is that our record came out really close to that Coheed and Cambria record. And yeah, everyone in equal vision felt that Liars Academy was going to be the big breakout band and Coheed was going to be that band that needed to be nurtured along. And it was completely the opposite. Yeah. And once Coheed kind of hit, we were kind of like, you know, Oh, oh, Liars, yeah. Liars Academy. yeah uh try to sell some more records. Hurry up, you know, Covey, right. you know, coheed's selling uh, records by the minute here. I mean, you know, it just, it, the priorities shifted. I totally get it. But, yeah. um, you know, it, it just, it, I felt, I felt the, the pressure and I didn't want to let those, those guys down. I, I really liked them. I liked, I liked working with them. uh it, it was a, it was a great label to be a part of. And we tried very hard. Yeah. We really did. I mean, We worked so hard at refining the next batches of songs that, I mean, it it took three years until the next full length came out because we, you know, just kept churning. And and I think what had happened is that um, we had worked so hard that we started to grow different branches and that follow up full length album was such a transitional record. It was very disjointed, um, because we were trying to, um, get to the next level of our songwriting. And and we had so many different avenues to, to, to to try out.
1: Right. And you, you know, with something you said, uh, at the beginning of that, this part of the conversation was in cross my heart. Those lyrics are Intensely personal lyrics. Anybody that sit was sitting down to read them could see, like you were coming from a very real place and point in your life with those mm-hmm. lyrics. It, it that will take a toll because you're, you know, it, you're a raw nerve when you're writing it, and then you're playing mm-hmm. it over and over and over again. You
0: gotta relive it every night. Yes. And, and I mean it, it. And I again, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining, but I mean. No. It did get to the point where I mean people wanted to talk to me about it. Like when you when you yeah. wrote this, you know, what did you mean? You know? <laughs> and uh, it, it it was awesome, but it 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 definitely did take the toll and yeah. I needed to move on, you yeah. know, plain and simple. Um now that time is there's a big gap of time. I mean, the I listen to those songs like a fan.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, you know what yeah. I mean? I can, and that's why I can appreciate it. So, it, it, and and like I said before, I was actually pretty into it. I was like, wow, I didn't, I didn't think these these records were any good, but they're actually all right. So,
1: do they? Do um, those feel? Do you feel better about those than like say the Liars Academy records? Like, is it a different feel? Like, or can you it's listen? Different. To, it's different. It's different. Okay. It's different.
0: Yeah, okay. I mean. I felt the same way about the Liars Academy stuff too, where I was just like, you know, no news is good news. I was like, I I can't even listen to that thing. But, you know, after time and you, you come back to it, um, you know, I can appreciate pretty much anything, you know, I think some songs are better than others. I think Mm -hmm. there's some really good stuff, but, um, you know, all in all, I, I, I feel like, I have made the choice to accept, you know, what I've done yeah. in music and embrace it and and be happy with it because that was me 22 years ago, 23 years ago, 25 years ago, you know, 17 years ago, whatever it is, different points in my life. And that's some of those songs really reflected who I was, what I was thinking, what I what I wanted back then. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, And I think that's really cool. And and I think any of us who have done music over a good span of time can go back and 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 see that and appreciate it, and um, you know, hopefully appreciate it. But yeah, sure. Recognize that that is a part of what uh, you know made me who I am now. So yeah, yeah, it's cool, man. And I'm glad that there there are still a few people out there that do.
1: you know care it's it's really awesome yeah the uh the you there was something that and I feel like this is a very distinctly Baltimore thing I'm gonna say to you, but the liars academys th- the the uh Evan Tanner played drums, correct yes was didn't he play drums for the hidden hand, one of yes. Wino, Wino's bands, yeah. yeah, so when I think of Baltimore my brain instantly goes to that heavier doom stuff. Yes. You're, you're right to do that. It. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the home of, of American doom as far as I'm concerned. Um, so knowing that all of that stuff existed, like Wino being from there and guys mm-hmm. like Dave Sherman and, and, and pentagram um, what, where, like, what was the scene like that you guys were coming out of? in Baltimore with, with, uh, with Cross My Heart and Blank and Liars Academy. Like, was it a mishmash scene or was it like, Hey, these are like the punk and and indie bands. And then these are the doom and death bands.
0: Well, back in the nineties, yeah. Um, it was definitely a mishmash scene, you know, I mean, um, there wasn't, we didn't have the luxury of having, you know, um, a robust, defined kind of music movement in Baltimore. And it it really was beer, beer, swollen, heavy rock music. It really was. That was, was, I would say it was probably the dominant kind of thing, but there were some great bands that were very artistic and, you know, ahead of their time. I mean, Baltimore uh, is the home of Lungfish and
1: Candy Machine. That's a good point, like, and cannot be, cannot be overstated. Can't mess with that stuff. Lungfish is fucking, oh my God, what a band. (laughs) What a band. What what a cool, and and, and to see
0: that band live was like no other. I mean, that repetitive kind of mesmerizing. I mean, you were in a trance at their shows, and it was just, amazing you didn't miss a long fish show no if you no, knew no. you knew when you were there and uh they they were definitely a a band that you know brought a lot of different people together yeah um but yeah i mean it was it was definitely like that uh, you know and, and i always felt that baltimore kind of lived in the shadow of, of of dc and the dc scene yep. yep. but but never really you know tried to mimic it it was such baltimore was so different yeah Baltimore was was very art. There was a lot of arty, weird, silly bands, and there was a lot of, like I said, you know, heavy beer rock, you know, yeah,
1: yeah, noise yeah.
0: rock, stuff like yeah. that. Um, but there there was all kinds of stuff, and you know, blank, we would, we would play with all kinds of bands, but, you know, as we started touring, we started meeting other bands from different areas and we would try to trade shows and we would play with those types of bands that would come through Mm -hmm. and, and try to um, support them and, you know, bring our crowd to their, you know, to get to see them in our hometown. Sure. Um, And that happened, you know, with cross my heart. I mean, you know, cross my heart, um, Definitely, I remember uh, f- when we were playing local. You know, we did pretty well, and mm-hmm. um, you know, we were able to bring certain bands and and you know have them have a, enjoy a good crowd.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah. You were, they were, when they're coming in from out of town, you guys were, you guys had a good enough fan base, a shared fan base with that Mm -hmm. band that you knew that the turnout was going to be good. Totally. I I do think too, with, with Baltimore, like there is a spirit in Baltimore that doesn't, you're not going to find in every city. Like, look, I mean, I I know you guys hear this a lot, but John Waters influence on art in Baltimore (laughs) Mm-hmm. It, it, like that he is he's the prime example to me of like baltimore is its own w- weird part on the map and like you guys you guys function like you'd said like you're it's, being in a band you're, you're kind of in the shadow of that dc discord thing but nothing from baltimore sounded like that like lungfish no one, it sa- no still one didn't sound like, like a de- yeah no. yeah there, there was nothing about them that sounded like you don't hear Fugazi and Lungfish and be like, "Yes, those coexist in the same world." Right. Vastly right. different.
0: No, you, you're 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 definitely right. I mean, but you know, um, a lot of a lot of the bands kind of came out of the you know Maryland Institute College of Art, and there's, sure. there's lots of different schools around there. So you had you definitely Baltimore. You definitely had a lot of. Um, You know, people that had kind of moved there for school Mm -hmm. um, that were from different areas of the country um, that stayed because it was such an interesting, cool place. I mean, the amount of just neat places to go see shows, Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it be some, you know, warehouse or a small club, um, just all kinds of stuff going on. And, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, I the, the the fact the the John Waters comment that you had, I mean, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of pride for for you know yeah. the John Waters in Baltimore and yeah. and um you know, but you know that that take on you know some of the humorous things that that sure. he produced yeah. and just kind of outrageous stuff. Uh, definitely. There was definitely an influence to some of those bands for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, you probably have never heard of them or might not ever hear of them, but there, there was a big appreciation for that. I, I, I feel like, you know, for bands that were like, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I mean, like bands that were really serious, like, yeah. like what I did that I felt that was, you know, it felt meaningful, Um, like I had something to say, I had to, I had to get something out. Mm -hmm. There weren't a lot of that. Sure. Really happening. Even, even when, you know, that whole emo thing kind of late nineties kind of, kind of blew up. I mean, I still felt like we didn't have a lot of peers in Baltimore. Um, okay yeah which was odd there wasn't i didn't feel like there was any cross my heart juniors or anything like that you know we we definitely felt alone
1: you know we had friends and we had we bands that that would play with us but they didn't really sound like us right and that you brought something up too that i i think uh i think a lot of times like people maybe take for granted because baltimore is is usually a stop when someone's on tour because you've got you're right next to you know it's close to DC it is a baltimore. baltimore is a big enough market where it is a it's a, a commercially viable enough spot to to take a tour to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but when i think of baltimore in terms of like the music i like there you guys are kind of the only band that really sticks out you know you mentioned lungfish that's another you know that's a mm-hmm. but i that's a Huge. separate thing unto itself but you're right. There aren't, you know, in comparison to like, uh, I had Joseph Grillo from Garrison on, and he had mentioned, I want to say he'd mentioned like the bands like the Taking Back Sundays that had, were coming in behind them mm-hmm. and became massive. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anything like that from Baltimore. Like, I, I well,
0: there, there, you'd be surprised. There, there are some, some, some big, big bands that have come out of Baltimore that, um, you might not even know. I mean, uh, you know, I, I would say, you know, uh, Beach House or Future Islands.
1: OK. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and I think there's like some pop punk band called All Time Low that are like massive.
1: Are they from Baltimore? I think
0: they're, I, I think they're Maryland for sure. OK. Um, OK. I don't know if they're Baltimore or what. I, I, I don't know the name guys. for sure. But yeah. But yeah, yeah there there are some bigger artists for sure. Um, but for that kind of nineties, 2000, you know, right. Underground indie rock. I, yeah. There really aren't a whole lot of breakout bands. Um, you know, uh, you might've heard of Moss icon being from that Maryland area, one yep. of the early <laughs> emo bands and yeah. the stuff that that guitarist, Tony joy has done has been, uh, you know, quite an inspiration. Um, but even so, I mean, there, yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to think of of these bands that you know outside of of Lungfish that have really kind of resonated, yeah, um, or, or, or or really embraced Baltimore, right? You know, and it, I think a lot of the bands maybe maybe started in Baltimore, but they don't really embrace. The sure, same.
1: and there's that like, and if it like just those names, the 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 names we're listing like Lungfish and Moss Icon such distinct sounding bands such singularly Mm -hmm. and cross my heart is a singularly distinct sounding band that came from baltimore in the midst of this scene in the midst of this music boom with with the deep elm bands or even even labels like jade tree or crank Mm -hmm. like because all those labels are happening at the same time yeah you i mean you guys were were the the standouts were like, yeah, we're from Baltimore in terms of that emo post hardcore sound.
0: Yeah, we definitely, we definitely took pride in that we're yeah. from Baltimore, um, knowing that there really wasn't many other people saying we're from Baltimore. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see what uh, what comes into <laughs> Baltimore in the future. You know, yeah, um, but yeah. We, Hopefully there will be some more um, exciting or organic, real Baltimore type bands that just kind yeah. of you know, out not make a mark.
1: So so after all that time, you start in '92 and you really don't kind of come up for air till 2007. Really, mm-hmm. I mean you're just. You went from one band right into another. In every band, yeah,
0: it it bled (laughs) into the
1: next. Yeah, yeah, it's all overlap for you, right? It's just
0: one into the next. It didn't stop. It was completely go, go, go. I'm completely driven, grinding it out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was um, 15 years of, of doing it without any real measurement of financial, you know, gain success yeah, yeah. or, yep. you know, it just was, I just did it, did it, did it. And yeah, I mean, it come 2007. I just,
1: I need, I need out. I You're need, exhausted. Yeah. I need, yeah, I totally was, totally was. So was when, you, when you do pull up like that, is it just like, it, there's the burnout? Absolutely. But then like, then real life starts to really like, cause I would think at that point, real life was already entering into the picture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was that a time for you to kind of step out of it, take stock and, and kind of get a grasp of, of life. And yeah, it it takes a physical and emotional toll on you. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean,
0: well, at the time, you know, it's, it it felt like I'm just, I'm just taking a break. I'm taking a well-deserved break. Yeah. And then what happens is that when you kind of enter into the real world, right. Marriage, you have a child, you get a job. Mm -hmm. Life seems to speed up, um, to where you look back and wait, when was the last time I saw you? That was four years ago. Yes. Yes. You know, do you you know what I'm talking about? So like you, you just, you're just going, you're, you're, you're grinding it out in in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but for me, um, you know, I, I say I needed a break.
1: I didn't take that long of a break. No, you didn't. You kept playing
0: music. <laughs> I, I did. Like I, I think it might have been like six months later. I was back <laughs> starting a new band, but it was it was under new circumstances. And sure. and and I knew that like I'm not gonna be touring. I'm just want it was my Tuesday night poker night. Instead of you know uh playing cards, we were writing songs and yeah. And that was fun. And, you know, I did that for a few years and then kind of had to take another break. Um, And then, and then I think it was probably 2015, it kind of hit me and I like had to write a bunch of songs and recorded them. And then the next summer, another batch of songs I had to record. And then I took another three year break. Yeah. And then, you know, this past year, I realized it's like, I started this solo record that I recorded three years ago, and I got three, only got to do three songs, three vocals, and I'm done. <laughs> so I, I called up, you know, the guy that was recording it, and, uh, you know, it was in August during COVID, and went in there and finished it, and I'm so happy. It, it sounds awesome, and, you know, I really, uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the plans on how to get it released. So, yeah. Finally, hopefully something new will be coming out uh, and released into the
1: universe uh, sooner than later. That's great. That's great to hear. Um, So looking back on all this, what is I mean, that's a long time to play music. It's a it's like to just like it, it almost to like a punishing level, just rolling from one man into the next. Um yeah. You can look back now as, you know, somebody who's, you know, has, a, you're a father, you, you've got, you, you've got a different view on life now than you had in that, you know, 2000, but what what do you look back? What are you the most proud of that you've taken from all of this time and, and playing, you're, being in rock and roll for that long? Not, some people don't survive that long in rock and roll.
0: Well, w- what I'm amazed about is that, you know, 1992, that was the year I graduated high school. Yeah. So I graduated high school And three months later was in a studio recording our first batch of music and put out at the time it was a cassette. We put out the first, you know, um, piece of music and, you know, I didn't go to school. I think 1993 we put out like our first record and then 94 was my first tour. So I was on the road constantly at that point and you know um during all that time it was just bouncing around from odd job to odd job in between tours you Mm -hmm. know everything was for the music there was I won't be tied down to any serious type of job I gotta have flexibility blah blah blah. then coming out of it all and it's like okay I'm uh, I need a break. I need to get into the real world. It, mm-hmm. I, I'm amazed at where I landed and, and what I'm up to now. And it's, it's very, very exciting. And I think that's the fact that I survived all of that and um, was able to find something else I'm completely passionate about and excited yes. about is probably, you know, um, something I'm I'm very, very proud of that I was okay. able to, to find something else. Um yeah, I mean, in terms of if I look back at at any one piece of music or anything, um, you know, I, I still I will say, and, and I've said it before, the the last blank album is is still one of my personal favorite things I've done. So That's cool, you know, definitely try to check that one out. If yeah, man, across my heart, that stuff's pretty
1: cool. That's I and I love that you're you're able to look back on it and be like, yeah, I'm proud of that. That's you know, yeah. like. It's our, our youth, when we look back when we're older, sometimes we, we kind of, you know, it's a little, you wince a little, you cringe a little but Definitely. I I, I think time, (laughs) time does give you that you, you heal over time where you're like, you can look back at it and care about it again in a different way. In almost like a paternal way, which is weird to say, but.
0: Yeah, I, I, I get that. And, you know, I think for me, what's, what's worked for me is that if I go back and revisit it more as a fan and less as I'm critiquing my past and I'm looking at yes. this, I did yes. this, I'm looking at it like, cool, you know, this crossed my heart record. I'll, I'll put this right, I'll put this right next to my lungfish CD. And uh, yeah, yeah. it's just like any other piece of cool music, but yeah. um, you know, th- I think that kind of worked for me um, yeah. just yeah. recently and made me kind of appreciate and, and, and look back and be, be proud of what I've done. And um you know hopefully some of this new music that I'm doing um you know in, in another five ten years i'll I'll be really uh <laughs> as, as proud of that too care about there <laughs>
1: <laughs> well uh ryan uh to kind of wrap this up what are what do you have going on right now I mean is there anything that fans of of cross my heart or liars academy what you know that you can throw them a bone of of sorts that would uh, <laughs> and, uh... um well, I mean, th- th- there's not
0: really anything that is, is completely concrete or nailed down. Okay. Um, I, I think you know, we can look forward to seeing some um, potential um, availability of some of the past catalog maybe coming back to, back to light. Uh, which, okay. you know we'll we'll see if that if that actually uh really does happen um I hope that we'll see some new music as i mentioned i I did do uh a, a full new record that yeah. sounds awesome very very excited about that you know um you know there there's still some other things that i uh, I have on my list of to do's that I really want to see happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One of that is to, you know, uh, I look at the Liars Academy catalog. There's a bunch of unreleased stuff that I'd love for people to hear. Oh. Um, and, you know, some of those records were, some of those releases were never pressed on vinyl. So I'd, I would love to see that stuff finally come out on vinyl. Because, you know, big vinyl, Yeah.
1: You know, that was going to be my next question is, is the potential of those getting a physical release mainly, main, mainly on LP would be. Uh, yeah, yeah,
0: totally. I, I mean, you know, I would love to have Liars Academy trading my life and demons on LP. I mean, it just, yeah. it seems like a, a total wrong in the world that it doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh yeah, I mean, I'm looking back, there's a, t- a ton of unheard, either unreleased or very limited stuff that I've done that's made it out and hurt and people have heard. So, between blank and you know, some the, the Liars Academy stuff that stuff I'm doing now, yeah, um, there was even a project I did before my solo project that I did with um, some guys in Baltimore and Matt Smith, who was in Liars Academy and Strike Anywhere, and it was a very American, Americana type band called the desert boys that we did an an album worth of material that it's pretty awesome. And I'd love for people to hear that. So I'm working on trying to get all my catalog out so everybody can hear it and uh,
1: you know, just, just get it out into the universe, so to speak. Awesome. Uh, so I, it, one thing I do want uh, you to do before we wrap up here is where can they, where can they find uh, cross my heart online? I know you've got an Instagram now. So what, what is the Instagram handle for that?
0: Oh, um, <laughs>
1: let, I let catch me, you off guard. <laughs> yeah, you did. Let me look that one up because it's uh, let's I'll, I'll do the same here. It's uh, it's yeah. It ahead. is
0: cross my heart underscore band official that's on Instagram. Um, Definitely go there, check it out. That's kind of where I'm um, most active right now, I am looking to do uh, to eventually build a, um, uh, our own, you know, website band store. I've got, you know, the, the treasures of band relics in my basement that I'd like to open up for other people to be able to enjoy. Please, you know, I, help me get the stuff out of my basement.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, there are plenty of us out here that would be glad to take some of that. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's just funny, you know, like odds and ends, you know, a little pile of this, these tour shirts, a little yes. pile of this, some yeah. CDs, some records. Um, plus, you know, just a good centralized place. I have done so many projects that trying to pull it together. Um, so people can find one location. That's, that's something I want to work on. So, so soon, hopefully soon.
1: Great. Um, and we'll put, uh, we're going to put the Instagram, uh, the, your Instagram name in the bio of the show and on the social media. So people will be able to find it. Uh, you've already started putting up show flyers and some old live photos and, uh, and it, it's really cool to see. And like, you see these pictures and I'm immediately taken right back into that time in my life of hearing, hearing, cross my heart, hearing all these wonderful bands and the effect it's had on my life and my entire generation of music fans that listen to you guys. So thank you for, for the countless years of, of earnest, honest, open hearted music that you put into the world.
0: Well, that's awesome. I really appreciate it, Wes, and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun talking to you. And I, I really, uh, again, thank you for having me on your show.
1: Yeah, and as this stuff rolls out, uh, we we will absolutely help. We'll we'll plug it any way we can.
0: So awesome.
1: All right, and uh, and for the rest of you, we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.